0: Ready, Scaping?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let's go.
2: That's right.
0: Welcome to Cast and Wax. That was the Waxwork Theme B, Baby, It's Wax, sung by Mr. Scape White. Give it up for him. I'm assuming you all just clapped. Thank you for that. Thank
1: you for that, especially
0: from me, because I sang it. Right, thank you for... I played the ukulele, he did the singing. That is, and
1: that was the important part, so you got the message across, that that's rockswork.com.
0: Right, right, that was... Okay, look, uh, thank you for all being here. I'm trying very hard not to say this is a jam-packed show, but it is a pretty jam-packed show. Oh, I said it, damn. Uh, especially because I don't want to do as long shows. La- last week's show was a little bit longer than I expected it to be, but I'm going to try to make this one move a little bit quicker, a little faster, faster, faster. Um, But I do have Mr. Uh, Rory Sinjin here. Let me bring him in as well. Mr. Rory Sinjin, come on in. Hello, everyone. It is I, Rory Sinjin. Hello. Uh, thank you for being here. Okay, uh Rory, do you have any exciting news? Anything new about the Queen's Institute for Extrahistorical Studies? No, I didn't see think- Okay, then I'm moving on. Um, Scape, do you have anything new about you? Not a protector, Rory. Okay, I'm moving on, moving on. I have plenty new with me, okay? I have plenty new with me. Because you, being in the world, will know that the market machine is still not freaking active. Okay, am I upset? Yes, I'm very upset. I'm very, I'm very aggravated. I'm stymied. I'm, uh, PO'd. Well, all sorts of things. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy. How about that? Why isn't it active? More problems! More problems! We've spotted more problems with it, Jordan! You can't activate it because Even though I specifically said, invasion of privacy, not a problem. Listen, it's not going to be invading your privacy just because it sees you at all times and can hear you at all times. That doesn't mean it's invading your privacy, but there are all these lawsuits saying that there is going to be invading our privacy. An injunction being put in place saying you can't do this. You guys are jerks, Okay you guys are jerks this thing is going to work I don't understand what the problem is but no I look I don't we don't have we don't have time for me to freak out about the market machine right now because we have so many things on the show uh, we do have two radio serials we're gonna do we're gonna do this day in history uh, and where are they now in history but first I have something special for you I've been digging through the archives of the waxwork stuff it's very specific of you Oh, yeah. all right all right all right but what I'm saying, I'm talking about, like, uh, you know, archives of of Cast and Wax, you know, the the unheard segments, things like that. You know, really, as a waxwork historian, I should be introducing this segment. Oh, really? Are you going to bring up that gem again? But the gem was solved by me proving that I was the waxwork historian. <sighs> All right, fine. Can you please tell us we have a bit of waxwork history to share with you today? Rory, would you like to introduce it? Why, yes, I would. Thank you very much, Jordan, for the opportunity. As you probably know, Cast and Wax was founded three years ago on March 31st. We've just passed the three-year anniversary. For Cast in Wax, the podcast of Waxwork.com. Now, at that point, the podcast was done weekly, as it is now returning to uh, currently. But the second episode that ever came out, came out on April 7th 2008 and in that episode driven into a blind rage our former co-host frank allen became incredibly aggravated with me and my extra historical studies and attempted to do an ambush interview with me that was unplanned you know just jumped into an interview with me rather than the segment he had prepared now you're probably wondering what happened to the segment he had prepared that's right rory that is right and i have unearthed that segment uh it was a timely interview it wasn't necessarily a very good interview but it was timely at the time and I guess that's why he got rid of it. He, he, he never bothered to air it after that. But this was originally recorded to be aired on the April 7th, 2008 podcast of Cast and Wax, the second episode, 100 episodes ago. And it, uh, it, it is tied in with, um, you know, events that were occurring at that time. Frank does do a pretty good introduction at the beginning of this, kind of catching you up on what current news events he's, uh, he's, he's alluding to and what the interview's about. Which is kind of amazing, because I didn't think he was that good of a, of a news person, really. Well, once in a while he had his you know he had his qualities. I mean as you said it's not a very good interview overall. That's true, that's true. Alright, well let's get right to it. This is one hundred episodes ago, you were supposed to hear this interview, but you didn't. Now it can be heard. Here's Frank Allen Interviews. Frank Allen Interviews starring Frank Allen. Hello, and welcome to Frank Allen Interviews. My name is Frank Allen, and we have a very special, exclusive interview with a gentleman that you might have heard about on yesterday's news. Uh, as the Olympic torch was running through London on its way and his long journey to uh, the Beijing Olympics, a man leapt out of the crowd and grabbed the torch, uh, trying to uh, wrestle it out of the hands of the of the person who was, uh, was holding it at the time, who was, of course... Uh, Former Blue Peter presenter, uh, Connie Huck, a uh, British celebrity. uh, Blue Peter, for those of you who don't know, is a uh, British television show, longest-running television show for children in Britain. First airing in 1958. And at any rate, uh, she was running with the torch, as one does when one is carrying the Olympic torch. And a gentleman, so to speak, ran up to her and uh, grabbed, attempted to grab the torch out of her hands. This is just the most recent in a number of incidents being uh, following the the torch uh, protesters uh, against. As you, as I said, the, the the Olympic Games are being held in Beijing uh, in China. Protesters have been uh, lining the route in uh, in protest of this, of in protest of the support of China, in protest of their terrible civil rights records, and in protest uh, in in support, I should say, of a free Tibet. Uh, so, it's been a a very uh, trouble fraught. Uh, journey for the torch. At any anyway, rate, like I said, we do have the gentleman, so to speak, who tried to grab the, the torch here with us from Connie Huck. Uh, uh, by, by which I mean he tried to grab it from Connie Huck, not that he is here from Connie Huck. Uh, he is here and has grabbed it or had tried to. Look, the point is he's here and, uh, let's talk to him. Uh, hello. So your name is, uh, what, what, what is your name again? Oh, yeah, my name is Reggie Arrut. Reggie. Now, uh, now I understand you ran up and attempted to grab the Olympic torch from Connie Huck. Yeah, that's what I did. I certainly did. Uh I saw it and I was like I'm going to get that, eh? and I ran right up, got my hands on it, tried to wrestle it away from her. She's stronger than she looks, but also there was a lot of Chinese guys there who were going to kick my ass, you know. So, uh I didn't get it, but I tried. Yes, you were and you were wrestled uh, forcibly to the ground by the torch what are, what are they called them? Torch guards. The torch guards that the Chinese had sent to defend the torch. Yeah, those guys. They uh, they got me right down on the ground, face down, right on the ground. Just uh, wrestle me right down. Right. So uh, let's let me let me see. I mean, I, I know that people say when when terrorism strikes, you shouldn't use it to uh, promote the terrorist cause. But what exactly was your cause? Why do you feel so strongly about a free Tibet? What is it that China has done? That upsets you so very much. Uh, no, no, it's not about, it's not about China or Tibet. Uh, that's not why I did it. It's not. No, 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 no. I just, I had a fag here and I was just like, I will need a light. I saw some fire. I said, oh, let me grab what, it. I'm sorry. Now you say, when you say, you. so you were, you were a fag, which is British slang for cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had a fag here, like this. See? That's a cigarette, yeah. And I saw there was a, f- I didn't have my light on me. And I was like, I'm going to bomb a light. Hey, do you have a light? Do you have a light? Never had a light. I saw that there's this uh, fire coming right at me. And so I said, hey, hang on a minute. Let me grab that. By me, love, let me see that. And next thing I know, I'm face down on the ground. Face down right on the ground. So it wasn't about to bed at all. You were trying to light a... Cigarette. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I got, I mean, do you have a light actually on your right Uh, I don't think I do, no. Uh, it's rubbish. All right, uh, I gotta go outside, see if I can bum a light in. Well, we just started an interview. I got to have my fag, my friend. I gotta have a smoke. <sighs> well, all, all right. I mean, I get you don't have anything interesting to talk about anyway. You don't, you didn't even, you know, do this for Tibet, so. Tibet is, you know, they could take care of themselves, though. I'm sure they have their own light. I don't need to take a light. I mean, they don't have to hold a light from this thing. No, you know? that's not what t- they're not trying to get the fire for Tibet. They're not trying to. Tibet has their own fire. That's what I'm saying. So I could take this one then, and I would just light my cigarette. No, that's I'm saying that's not the the the, the 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 torch is not going to China because they need fire. It's a symbolic part of the the Olympic games. Uh, all right. Well, look, I'm gonna go have a smoke. So. You want to come out with me? Well, I don't smoke. I make my living off my voice, obviously. So, you don't want to come out with me? Well, I'll, I mean, I'll come out with you, sure. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, this has been a Frank Allen interview, I guess. Um, just not a very good one. Oh, that's not nice. Well, you didn't, you, it wasn't a very good interview. All right. Um, good night, everybody. So, yeah, no, he's right. I mean, it was not a very good interview. It, it, it didn't go anywhere. But you were right. You know, he did give a, a very relatively succinct... He said, uh, oh, a lot, you know, and he paused a bit, but he told pretty much what you need to know. Well, uh, anyway, I hope you all enjoyed that Frank Allen interview. We haven't had one of those in quite a while, Uh mostly because, as you know, our friend Frank Allen has gone missing. Uh, He ran off. We don't know where he went. Uh, no idea at all. But we do have some mail that might have something to say about that at the end of the show. Before we get to our next segments, uh, I do want to read the email that we do tend to read before the segments, which is email from Mr. Charles Berman. Uh, he is the the gentleman from Binghamton who sends us the new serials. Uh, he has been having some trouble recently, but... Here's a new email from him. Let's see what he has to say. Rory, would you do the honor? Yes, of course. Dear Jordan, first of all, I have to say I really enjoyed the Kanye West cover. I hope a lot of people write in to say how good it was, because I certainly think it deserves very wide acclaim. If the amount of public acclamation a work deserves is a measure of how much its author should be remunerated by the market machine, then this track should make you rich. I'm glad to hear you've been working on the new modifications to the market machine. Actually, this gives me a lot of newfound confidence in the idea, since now that the machine can monitor people, we will be able to see when anybody is getting a little unhappy with the machine and stop them this is possible right because I know I would never criticize the market machine or its great creator and I want to make sure nobody else does either I'm glad to hear you're enjoying the serials and that you like Jane she doesn't show up in this week's Nathan Van Etten but I think I can reveal that she does return in the future thanks for backing me up on the annoying rescue letters to be honest I'm not sure why or if I'm the only one who is getting them but hopefully whoever it was will get the picture whoever it was keeps talking about how he or she doesn't know Slam Jackson's address or something. Oh well. Enjoy, Charles. All right, Charles. Uh, lots of things again. I mean, let me address them again as I like to do in reverse order. Uh, the rescue letters, good. Yes, yes. All of that. Nathan Vanetten, wonderful. Although we might not hear it this week, we'll hear it again next week. The point is the, the market machine. No, Charles. No. you again. You don't get it. I said it's not about invading privacy. I don't. It's not just because you don't think the market machine is a good idea. Does not mean that you're going to be punished. This is this market machine is not about engineering morality. It's just about engineering. You know how much things cost. What is the fair price of things? I mean, granted, the amount that you charge for something is a function of morality, but it's not the reverse. You know what I'm saying? I'm not using the amount that you charge for things to like if you're a bad person I'm not gonna say we're gonna charge less for it that that would be a silly way of going about it if you were gonna try to like use a machine to modify people's morality it would be a different thing you would it, it, you would do it a different way you would do it a different Jordan yes Kanye West cover thank you for that Charles okay uh, I'm glad you liked it I have to go. What? It's in the middle of the podcast. I know, but I have to. go. I have something. I I really need to work this out. Uh I will be back. Bye, bye, guys. I'll see. You. I'll talk to you soon. What? I, I, do, I just, did. I just the while for me. Would you please? Okay. Um. So, Scapy, how are you today? Um,
1: I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Okay. Hey, do hey do you remember the time when Dad ref the show? And like, I became like, the king of the show, and you were like, oh like a worse and we're doing whatever
0: I said. Well, yes, I do. Yes, I do remember that. But that's not something I really want to talk about right now. And that's not happening again, by the way. I was going say it was going halfway again. I'm just saying. Do you remember that? That was pretty funny. Yeah, I don't think it was funny, actually. I don't think it was funny at all. So, without further ado, since Jordan is gone, I'm just going to continue with the show. We will now hear the two serials that we'll be listening to. One, of course, being Slam Jackson, Adventurist. The other one probably being Donnie Palumbo's Clubhouse of Super Villainy. And smacked in the middle of those two will be my This Day in history and where are they now in history as it is a very informant you know segment that tells you about something that happened historically on this day of course i made you
1: eat cat food do you remember i made you eat car food that
0: was pretty good no it was not good all right slam jackson Adventurous now
3: slam jackson <laughs> adventurist By C. Henry Berman. Episode 11, A Number of Problems! Our story opens late one Saturday evening with that private investigator and universally-feated famed adventurist, Salam Jackson! Howdy. Enjoying a romantic date at a classy Italian restaurant. Things are going well, and Salam has high hopes for a second date but only in his dreams! That's right! For as fast as someone very tired, our pulchritudinous preventer of pugnaciousness has fallen fast asleep! The date was only a pleasant nocturnal imagining. Soon, however, Slam Jackson's idyllic dream of dinnertime romance will be interrupted by a sudden telephone call, and he is jerked unceremoniously back into the waking world.
4: Um, hello? Slam Jackson, private investigator.
5: It is I, Slam Jackson.
4: Why does everyone introduce themselves that way?
5: Another imbecilic inquisition, you arithmetical atlepate. This set of people who introduce themselves that way cannot include everyone. Since far from introducing myself, I'm instead discussing the number I.
4: The number I?
5: Indeed, Jackson. A lowercase. In the italics.
4: I know. I was kind of asking why you were calling me up at 3.30 in the morning to talk about it.
5: No doubt. It's a great inconvenience, my ain't-America acquaintance. By waking you up a statistically significant number of hours past the average bedtime, I'm not inconsiderably subtracting from the sum of time that you would get in order to sleep.
4: Yes, you are. What's it all about?
5: Relevant data, Jackson. You can end my reign of insomnia. Only by answering my one question.
4: Don't you have to be up this late as well to wake me up?
5: Your point is null, so I am Jackson. You are the isolated singularity I wish to annoy. Great. Now, to solve your problem, you must first solve mine.
4: Okay.
5: How is the number I defined?
4: It's the square root of negative one. Well, right. Okay, that was weird.
3: Replacing the telephone on its hook, Slam Jackson returns to sleep. One day of thrilling adventure passes, as our formidable foe of folly boldly vanquishes a constant feeling of grogginess. To get all his work done, despite an inadequate amount of rest, he settles comfortably into bed. But his rest is again to be short-lived!
4: Huh? Uh, Not again. Slam Jackson, private investigator, can I help you?
5: It is I, Slam Jackson.
4: The square root of negative one. Can I go to bed now?
5: Negative, Jackson. On this occasion, I was only introducing myself.
4: Okay, get on with it so I can get back to sleep.
5: I am... the math magician.
4: The math magician. Really?
5: I assure you, Jackson, I am 100% real. Not even a fraction imaginary.
4: Sure. I believe you. Otherwise, you couldn't have called. Now, please, tell me what you want.
5: You sound irritable, Jackson. It seems there's a high probability that my dastardly plan is succeeding. My plan to make the hours of sleep available to you increasingly finite.
4: Well, that's certainly original. Nice job. I'll talk to you later.
5: No, slam, Jackson. Before your sleep... Can be continuous. You must tell me the square root of 37.
4: Okay, hold on. Calculator was in the drawer, I think. 6.08276253, good night.
5: You're correct. Sleep well, Jackson, now that you're primed for a night of rest.
4: Geez, so she wasn't just a nightmare.
3: Having deduced that much about the nature of his new arch nemesis, Slam Jackson soon prepares to continue his nightly routine of sleeping. But not before preparing a midnight snack.
4: Darn. Out of turkey.
3: His night is thoroughly ruined by the mathematician and his errant turkey. Slam Jackson proceeds onto the land of Nod. The inevitably drowsy day follows, and Slam must struggle mightily to keep his eyes open wide during his spine-tingling battles with the juggling trapeze of the enslave the cuckoo-cock, President Robot Mugabe, and the Jamaican Chicken Jerk. Returning home at the end of the daily grind, Slam springs into action by taking an immediate Nap! Leaving him wide awake and fully alert for the mathematician's inevitable call!
4: Slam Jackson, private investigator. Good evening, what can I do for you tonight?
5: This is a regular, Jackson. Sleep cycle so disrupted, you're still up? My numerically nonplussed nemesis?
4: Nope, took a nap earlier. Just wanted to be sure to be alert for the math problem tonight.
5: That's odd. Fine then, we'll get right to it. A right triangle has an angle 72 degrees. What are the other angles?
4: Hmm, i have to think about that one. I'll get back to you.
5: Too obtuse to solve this one, Jackson?
4: No, I think I've got it.
5: Only when you have solved the problem can you return to sleep. The decrease in the soundness of your sleep will be accompanied by a concurrent decrease in the acuteness of your mental faculties.
4: You know, I could just hang up the... eight
5: hours of sleep is not necessary if you ever want to face the day with your best foot forward and achieve any kind of success. Stay up late and you'll never know- My ninth announce... grade
4: math teacher used to say exactly- irrelevant
5: tangent, Jackson, remember in high school- Wait
4: will a minute. I know that voice. Miss Vogling, I haven't talked to you since, sir- uh... When
5: you left ninth grade?
4: Ninth grade, right.
5: And do you remember what you said to me that day? What day? The day you left ninth grade.
4: Uh, have a nice summer?
5: You said you didn't think all this math would have any bearing at all on whether you succeeded in life.
4: Oh, right. But do you remember how much algebra you tried to assign us that summer?
5: It doesn't matter, Jackson. It was so you wouldn't forget what you learned. And that remark was uncalled for. Now I'm going to show you that you can not succeed as a universally-fated, famed adventurer who defeated a whole fleet of airborne Nazis led by Troiland Gertrude von Rufflewuffle.
4: Sure, we'll say I did that.
5: Without being able to do ninth-grade level math.
4: Listen, Miss Vogeling... I shouldn't have said that I wasn't going to use any of what you taught me. I apologize. You put a lot of work into that year's lesson, and it was impolite. But that doesn't give you the right to make harassing phone calls to me in the middle of the night. What would Mrs. Barbaroli have said in etiquette class?
5: That is pretty rational.
4: Yes, it is. Now, I could easily just start unplugging the phone before I go to bed. But I think it would be much nicer if you could just stop bothering me on your own.
5: You're right, Slam. I'm sorry I bothered you. I guess some people just can get along fine without math.
4: Hey, don't worry about that, Miss Vogling. I am a small business owner. I handle all my own books. Not sure I could have managed that without you.
5: It it really warms my heart to hear that, Slam.
4: You still working at the old school? What's it like?
3: Is Mrs. Vogeling working at the old school? What is it like now? What kind of math is Slam required to do as the owner of his own small business? How will he get through tomorrow's workday on such little sleep? If your nerves can stand the thrills, tune in again next week for Slam Jackson. ADVENTURIST!
0: In that episode of Slam Jackson Adventurist, the narrator was Mickey Weishner, Slam Jackson was J.A. Kunrat, and the mathemagician was Emily Garber. Hello, my name's Roy Singen and you're listening to WHRW Binghamton, and this is This Day in History. On April 4th, 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. is fatally shot while standing on the balcony outside a second-story room at the Motel Lorraine in Memphis, Tennessee. King was pronounced dead after his arrival at Memphis Hospital.
2: Mommy, Mommy, can I have a balloon? No! Never!
3: I have a dream that black children and white children will have balloons together. What do you think, Mr. Jesse Jackson, who is standing right next to me and will one day use my death as a political device when he runs for president? I think that that... I say, I think that's a bad idea. Young women and young children cannot be trusted with balloons. They are devastating. How are balloons devastating?
2: Can I just have a balloon or what? No, and no. what are you going to do about it? Shoot Martin Luther King? Ha <laughs> ha, I bet not. Maybe. Little what? children
3: can eat balloons and choking down as animals will too. Oh, that's it. Spankings for life. My God. Are you listening to me? I'm, I'm trying to speak here. I'm important. Uh, I see the light.
2: Balloon now? No! Apologize! He's dead, but apologize! I'm sorry! You've set the civil rights movement back 50 years, little girl! Oh my god! I was so surprised that Martin Luther King got shot that I let go of my balloon!
0: Unfortunately, all black children who were holding balloons at the time did release them, being so shocked that most of the animals in North America did die. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But don't yet... My name's Rory St. John and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And you're probably wondering how that killed most of the animal life in North America. Well, I'll tell you. When you release a balloon, it travels up into the atmosphere until the air density on the outside of the balloon matches the air density on the inside of the balloon. But eventually that balloon will pop or the air will leak out and it will fall down to the earth and become garbage that just lays on the ground or just lays in the sea, as is the case here. All the African-American children's balloons drifted up into the air, drifted out to the sea and fell into the water where lots and lots of dolphins and fish and sharks and whales and things said, oh, look at that little floaty things floating on the water, I think that probably is something that I can eat because only things that I can eat float on the water, isn't that correct? And they ate it and they all died. And then they became a rotting, stinking mass of disease infected dead fish floating on the surface of all the oceans bordering the United States spreading disease. So when you have a balloon, make sure you don't let go of that balloon. It's really like littering. I know it doesn't seem like it at the time because the litter is going up into the air and you think, when I usually drop litter it goes straight down to the ground, but this is going up therefore it will not sully the ground. No, you're wrong. It will sully lots of things. Make sure you just. Dispose of it properly. My name is Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax.
6: Donnie Palumbo's Clubhouse of Super Villainy. Episode Six: Naked, Dirty Clown Suit by Cheryl Casey.
7: Previously on Donnie Palumbo's Clubhouse of Supervillainy, outrage turned into exultation as Donnie realized that Avalon Frankie had been catapulted from c rank villainy to supervillainy, courtesy of Titus Eroticus. Now, as the head of a guild house, Avalon Frankie and his trusty sidekick, Acid Reflex, are ready to wreak havoc upon the city.
6: Being the head of a guild house was so easy. It was great. I mean, I wish I'd thought of it from the very beginning. Show up, if I feel like it. At 9 in the morning, call my secretary at about 9.05 for coffee, have it delivered at 9.08, decide that I really wanted tea instead, and then scorn her for approximately 3 minutes and then send her away, only to call back again at around 9.20 asking for more coffee. But that wasn't even the best part. No, the best part was that I got to read proposal after proposal of how the guild should go about defeating Phantasma. If I felt it was a viable idea, it was filed away. But if not, it was tossed back into the slush pile.
7: Coffee.
6: Just coffee?
7: <sighs> a venti spiced mocha with plenty of low cal whipped cream and a hint of lime. Oh, thanks.
6: You had me worried for a second there. Mmm. A little mm, a little heavy on the lime, but I like that nutty undertone. I never noticed it before.
7: Well, I'd never spat in your coffee before.
6: Uh what?
7: God, a joke. Whatever.
6: Yeah, thanks. Ooh, ooh. <clears throat> yes? Welcome to my le- Oh, Rob, it's you. What's up? What? No acid reflex? Yeah, well, you yeah, know. Do I? Not really. I've been calling you for the better part of a week, and the only thing I've accomplished from that are long, drawn-out soliloquies on your voicemail. I have voicemail? Oh, I have voicemail! Hey, man. It's been a while since I've seen your face. Uh, give me a call, all right? It's me again. You think if I flick some sweat off the balcony of my apartment to the pedestrians below, it'll be less corrosive than rubbing my face on them directly? We should do this. For science. Call me back. Seriously. Donnie, destroy the world tomorrow. Eat Chinese with me today. Okay, look, tell me you're dead. If you're dead, I can forgive you for ignoring me. Just call me back and let me know. Jeez, man, has it really been that long? (laughs) It's not like I just called several times in a row over the course of an hour just to leave you love notes on your voicemail. What's going on, Donnie? What have you been up to? Oh, you know, guild stuff.
7: Hey, Donnie, it's me. I just wanted to apologize for cutting things short the other night, but I promised to make it up to you tonight. I'll be wearing the necklace and, well, I don't want anything like clothing to detract from the necklace.
6: Nice! What? Shh, sh- sh- will you shut up?
7: Uh, Donnie? A little cold here. What, with the standing around in your apartment naked and all? I'm waiting. Come home. Soon. <laughs> Sweetie, is something wrong? Are you mad? Have I done something? I mean, I've hardly seen you in, like, two weeks. I just... Please just call me. Please. I... I love you. And I miss you.
6: Wow. Lisa... She does care about me! What?! That's all you have to say?! Dude, she thinks you're done with her! I play a little hard to get and she's all over me. This is incredible! Yeah, great. It was real great when she showed up at my place begging me to know what's up with you. What's up with me? Rob, you didn't tell her anything, did you? No, I didn't tell her anything, Avalon Frankie. I just tried my best to convince her that you really do care about her. You're just a grade-A moron at the best of times. So, she doesn't have any idea, right? (sighs) Thanks, man. I owe you. You don't know what you owe me. You know, with that impenetrable skin, Lisa may very well be one of the only people in the world I couldn't accidentally melt through. Huh? What are you saying? Nice job sending her my way, a blubbering, sobbing wreck. Do you know how easy it would have been? Oh, Lisa, what's wrong? No, I don't know why your boyfriend is such a callous, disconnected a-hole. No, sweetie, it's not you. Donnie's just a toolbox sometimes. Why, if I were your boyfriend, I would never, ever... Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not hearing this. Rob, Rob, you didn't tell me you didn't. I wouldn't. What the hell is wrong with you? Who do you think I am? What the hell is wrong with me? You're the one talking about swooping down and snatching up my sloppy seconds. Oh, so you are done with her now, huh? What? No. You have nothing to worry about. It doesn't matter how doable her body might be. Her head's already screwed if she's seeing anything worthwhile in you. You know what? Stay away from my girlfriend. Oh, we're going there now? Yeah, we're going there. You're like that creepy uncle lurking at the back of a kid's party dressed in a dirty clown suit to hit on single moms.
2: What? Where do you
6: even come up with this? Y- you know what? It doesn't even matter. Enjoy your guild house, you purple costume dildo. I'm done. Done? What will you do without your clubhouse base acid reflex? My name is Rob. Rob, Rob, Rob. Oh, come on. I haven't even told you the plans I was about to unleash. <sighs> Titus? Yeah, it's me. <sighs> I'm ready to initiate Operation Empty Nest.
0: In that episode of Donnie Palumbo's Clubhouse of Supervillainy, Donnie was Ed Jones, Rob was Jordan Randall, Lisa was Julia Adams, and Ms. Conception was Angela Tymon. Um, and I thank myself for saying that as well. Um, all right, Scape, how are you now? I'm still good. I was still thinking about when I made you eat coffee. All right, all right, all right. Let's get on with the letters. We have an email address here at Cast in Wax. It's castinwax at gmail.com, and we like to get letters at this site, uh, and we will read the letters that we get. And, in fact, we have some letters here. This first one is from Slam Jackson, actually. It says Dear Mr White That's Jordan, he's not in the room right now. He's in the other room working on something, apparently. Uh, dear Mr White, thank you for delivering my message on your internet radio show. If Mr St. John would like to contract my services, I'd be happy to assist, but I don't have any way of contacting him. You may feel free to forward him my email address additionally. I'd like to mention that while I am fine with you playing those radio episodes about me, I'd appreciate it if you kept your speculations about my sexuality off the show. I am trying to run a business and be compensated fairly for it, and I think invasions of in my privacy could get in the way of that, regards Slam Jackson, private investigator. Now, I'm sorry about that. Last episode, Jordan seemed to think for some reason that Slam Jackson might be gay, and he talked about that on the podcast. We we don't know for cer- certain that that's the case. He said, uh, he said the word hun when talking to a man, so that could be a man saying that he is, you know, he, he considers the other man to be his honey, you know, in that respect, which would make it a very homosexual-sounding action. But it could also be that the person he was talking to was a hun of some sort, like Attila the but you know not attila because the person's name was not attila but you know there could be some other sort of hun and he could be referring to them as you know just just hun which is a bit racist of him in fact so perhaps he's not gay perhaps he's he's racist which i I suppose i shouldn't really be speculating about either but i will be contacting you mr jackson um to to hire you against my will to find frank allen so hopefully we'll find out more about frank allen through that but it is funny that you mention the invasion of privacy and the compensating fairly because that's what Jordan's working on on the market machine. And the problem he's having is that people think it's an invasion of privacy. So that's actually Okay, quite- okay, I've got it. Guys, I have it, I have it, uh, I have it. It is done. It is finished. Oh, uh, Jordan, welcome back. We were just talking about the Slam Jackson letter. I don't care which- about that. That's not important. Thank you, Slam Jackson. Whatever. Th- I have fixed it. I have made everything better. This is going to be amazing. Ooh, uh, the market machine is fixed. Wrong. Actually, the market machine is dead. Those of you who have been against the market machine from the beginning, congratulations. There is going to be no market machine. At least not based on the thing that I, you know, did. Uh, the point is, I've stopped working on the market machine. I have changed it. It's not a market machine anymore. It's better. Oh. Uh, Good. What is better than a market machine? A morality machine. Thank you, Charles, for inspiring me. This is what we are doing. As I said, the machine was already rigged up to be able to see everything that is done by every person on the planet. And hear everything that is said by every person on the planet. Well, instead of using that information to judge what people should be paying, it's going to look at those actions and decide whether they are moral or not. And it will assign a numeric morality value to every action that is done. But why why would you want to do that? Because then all actions will be fed together into the m- morality machine and it will generate a total it will total up all morality on the planet at every given moment constantly fluctuating every every action either adds if it's positive, or subtracts, if it's negative, if it's an immoral act, from the grand total of all numeric morality on the planet. Which is very much an invasion of privacy. No, it's not. It's not an invasion of privacy, because it doesn't, nobody's going to be seeing what you're doing, just the machine is going to see what you're doing. The machine is going to see it, the machine is going to judge it, and it's going to output a numeric assignment value to that action. And that's all that matters. To what end? What's the point of all this? Well, I'm glad you asked, Rory. Because, as I told you, the machine, in order to power all of this computation and all of this monitoring of all people at all times has had to have been hooked into lots of nuclear reactors. Well, here's the deal. Okay, everybody? From the moment I switch the morality machine on, if the moral value of the planet ever dips below zero, then the machine will blow up the world. What? Why would you do that? That's ridiculous. What's wrong with you? Because, look, I'm I'm not trying to destroy the world. I don't want the world to be destroyed. But what I do want is for the world to be, on the whole, good. And so... This is a terrible idea! No, it's not a terrible idea. It is not a terrible idea. Because, again... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide what the number is. Everybody can look up what the number is. Just con you know, I'm sure all the governments will be I will be providing the information on what the number is at all times to the governments. I'm sure that if you go to the US.gov or whatever, it it'll show you what the what the morality index is for the world at that time. And you can use that information. To try to, you know, better yourself. If, if the, if you see the numbers are going down, start being nice. Start being nicer. Just, just make yourself a little bit nicer. And then, we're not in any danger. You are insane! That is an insane idea! Why would you do this to us? Look, I, I, because, I, again, I'm not trying to blow up the world. But well, it just sure sounds like you're trying to blow up the world. Because it's going to end with the world blowing up. Of course, The instant you turn it on, it's going to blow up the world. No, that's not true. It is not, not true. Not to mention that the machine itself will see that what you are doing is black blackmailing the world and that's a negative thing and it's going to go off the charts on its own and it's just going to blow up everything you cannot do this jordan don't be stupid rory what do you think i was doing for the last 15 20 minutes i've been programming the machine it's not gonna do that oh, so it's based on your morality is it well, of course it's based because mine is right look rory everybody knows whether what they're doing is right or wrong most of the time people know whether what they're doing is right or wrong. That's, but there are all shades of gray. What about if someone is stealing in order to feed their starving family? It's a more, it's a mathematical equation. The, 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 stealing has this value, but feeding your family has this value. So you put it together and it might come out to be a positive number, even though there's a negative act in there. It, it's, what matters is what you net, not what you, not that every action. That's the whole point. I'm not saying we're going to eliminate all bad action. Of course not. You just have to offset the bad action. This is never going to work. It's, as as soon as you turn it on, it's going to blow up the world. Right, that's I know for a fact that that's not true. Because first of all, I programmed it so I know how it runs. And it's not going to run in such a way that it will blow up the world as soon as I do it. Second of all, I know that because I turned it on before I came into the room. Obviously, I'm not going to wait around. People are going to stop me if I do this. People are going to be afraid. I needed to make it happen. So it, it already happened. What? I, it already happened. Listen, uh... It, the number is lower than I'd like. We're at about 5,000 or so. That's where we've been hovering. But that means we're... F- 5,000 is pretty good. It means we're 5,000 above. That we're, we're up. I was thinking it would be in, like, the kind of tens or hundreds of thousands. Let's get it up there, guys. Let's all work together. Let's do good. Get it up there. Make sure that, you know, there are some crazy people out there who are going to do bad things. But we have to compensate for them by being good to each other. You're insane. You are clinically insane. No, I'm... Rory, I'm not... It's working. Look, take a look in the next room. You can see. I still. Th- it doesn't matter. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! It's true. He's really done it, escape. He's turned on the machine. He's got a m- morality machine that's monitoring everything everyone does, and it's judging us all. Well, okay, I don't care. It's not going to judge me. Actually, he's right. He's not. He's a. He's, a, he's an animal. And so it's not going to judge what he does. He can do whatever. I mean, you know what I mean? Animals aren't held to the same morality that humans are, but it's going to judge you, Rory. But again, I think overall you're good, aren't you? I mean, you're not a, you're not a overwhelmingly negative person. I don't think I'm a negative person at all. Well, good. Then, then you're going to be fine. You keep just doing your best. I'll keep doing my best. Everybody can, can keep an eye on the number, do their best. And if, like I said, if it starts going down, if some bad stuff starts happening, just work harder. Work harder to bring it up. You know, start being extra nice. You know? I am ashamed to even know you at this moment in time. That's rid- Okay, that's an offensive thing to say. Do, did you Did you read all of the, the listener mail? You're not even close. I only read one piece of it. Oh, okay. Well, then let's, uh, let's get right back to it. Um, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll read the next one since you read the last one. Dear Jordan, Rory, Scape, and Frank, if you're back. No, he's not. I just wanted to write in to say that I've been listening to Cast and Wax for the past three years and have loved all of it. It's been just about my one source of entertainment since just about nothing else I find really measures up. The 100th episode really put a cap on it. Probably the greatest episode from the greatest series I have ever heard. Every part of it surpassed the previous unrivaled achievements of Cast and Wax. This is amazing. Except for one thing, Jordan has become so whiny about looking for letters of encouragement and praise that I simply can't listen anymore. It will be tough to give up something I love with every fiber of my being like this, but oh well. Good luck in the future, guys. Marilyn McInturnty. Well, Screw you, lady. Like, what? You just went and you said it was the best, ba- and then you did. What a jerk. This lady sucks. John, you're going to be making the numbers go down on the machine. Please stop stop being so mean. I don't look the, I, everybody's entitled to get angry once in a while. That's uh, that's part of what the machine accounts for. In general, I'm a good person and look at, you know, if you think I'm being bad, compensate or something, but I you know, you can everybody's entitled to get mad. This woman is a jerk. Skate, why don't I get you some moist food here? Would you like some? I yeah, can just want get you some, some nice food this. for Oh, uh, I have stop some. It. Calm yeah. down. Just one yelling at a woman and she's not even going to hear it. So she, it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter if she hears. It the machine's going to hear it. The machine's going to hear what you have to say. It's not it but it's going to be I'm just Venting. The machine will know the difference between venting and sincere hatred of a stupid, bitchy woman. Look, I want letters because I want to know that I'm doing a good job. Grr, fine, look, d- you. I, I'm, I'll miss you. Except that I won't. Jerky woman. <sighs> Rory, please read the next letter. Well, all right, um... My dear Mr. White, it is regrettable to that, having subjected myself to the hitherto diverting experience of an evening with the podcast that so selflessly you and your associates conjure from the recesses of the creative engines of your mind, I was perforce compelled to my revulsion and horror to be audience to an announcement which, in its temerity, in the very hostility of its bravado, suffused me with a passionate rage so violent that, though separated from its provokers both by uncounted miles of space and by that mystic skin or veil which, though contrary to our limited mortal understandings yet evidently in the very fact of this epistle separates imperfectly if not with an earthen wall then at least with a heavy and opaque curtain the realm of the living from that murky one now inhabited by your humble correspondent yet i desired still some satisfaction from the root of my indignity it is with this in mind that i demand that your cat scape that feline whose articulate tendencies so uncannily breach the bounds of our comprehension with regard to the Abilities of his species, and whose announced intentions towards the unwarranted appropriation of one of this author's works for an as yet uncompleted work of opera so galled their innocent and, being deceased, disadvantaged victim, immediately halt all work on his adaptation of my novel, The Call of Cthulhu, until such time as granted appropriate leave at warrant, such a sequel as whose time may never arrive, given Scape's behavior hitherto. If compliance with this reasonable demand is not demonstrated, I can but hint at the Natural horrors, whose effects are terrible, but whose aspects the very vessel of my communications cannot here contain, and to whose ravages from this underworld I now inhabit, Scape White would be the victim. I remain, sir, as ever, your obedient servant, the ghost of H.P. Lovecraft. Mr. Lovecraft, thank you for writing. I am quite a fan of your work, uh, but, what I will say is that I know that Scape is in the rights in this case because the work Call of Cthulhu, which um, is in question, is definitely in the public domain, I'm afraid to say. So at this point, uh, you have lost all rights to uh, the governance of the uh, uh, production of things based on the Call of Cthulhu. So uh, sorry about that. Like uh, the machine, like, for example, I know for a fact the mar- morality machine is not judging my actions right now to be bad because we're within the bounds of the law. And the law that is agreed upon, you know, by the etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So the point is, uh, I know that that we're uh, we're in the rights on this one. Scape. Speaking of uh, The Call of Cthulhu, though, how is it going? How is the work going on your uh, your project?
1: Um. Hmm. Well. Uh. Yeah, because
0: I because I noticed that you ha- didn't ask me to read you the Call of Cthulhu this week.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't have time to do that. You
0: didn't have time. No. What were you working on?
1: Well, I was working on like mostly sweeping, but also there were demons I had to fight. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Demons. Sure. Uh, you may have to be fighting a ghost soon, apparently, because Mr. Lovecraft here is threatening you. Well, I could beat a ghost. I've eaten a ghost mouse, do you remember? That's true. That is true. But, Mr. Lovecraft, I remind you, again, it's in the public domain. He's in the right. Hopefully you don't get mad at him. And, Scape, get to work on your stupid project. All right, right, You're lucky that the machine's not judging you because it would be calling you lazy right now.
1: Whatever, Dad, whatever.
0: Okay, we did get another email. Uh, let's see. This is, Dear Cast and Wax, now don't take my word for it, but I'm pretty sure that Frank Allen was visiting my place of employ till he was very recently escorted off the premises. Oh, awesome. We've been looking for emails about where Frank is. Mr. Uh, Mister Slim Jackson, take a listen. He tended to keep to himself in the back of the room, but he had a habit of harassing the staff. Things like demanding that we answer questions about some murder that happened in the area years ago. Anyway, on the last night he showed up, he asked me for change for a five. I told him that my shift had just started, and anyway, that if he really wanted anything worth paying for, he needed to cough up more than five bucks anyhow. He got all snippy and then offered to write a check, which isn't our company's policy, and then when I pulled it out of my G-string, it was for a measly $2. On top of that, the signature didn't match the name on the account a Rory St. John or something. It's Sinjin, Jordan. I know, but I'm sure she didn't know that. That's when the bouncers booted him from our establishment. I sure hope this helps. I would really hate to see him show up at work again. Sincerely, Cristal Devereaux. Um, so it sounds like he has your checkbook. I heard, and I'm incredibly aggravated at that fact, but I'm trying to keep my, my temper in check because I didn't want to, you know, Upset the morality machine. No, Rory, you don't understand. You, you're allowed to get angry. There's nothing wrong with getting angry, especially when somebody is stealing money from your bank account. Well, all right, then I'm very mad. Frank Allen, you better stop doing that. I'm going to have to close my bank account and you're going to get arrested. Oh, well, no, getting someone arrested who's a friend of yours. He's stealing money from my bank. You just said he was stealing money from my bank account. I could get mad. Oh, but he's a fr- getting a friend arrested. Jordan, You are just... This is ridiculous. You have to turn the machine off. You have to turn it off now. I can't. I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? The machine is rigged that if anybody tries to turn it off, it will, you know, blow up the world. Like I said. Jordan, you can't do this to us. You cannot do this to the world. You're holding the world ransom. Yes, but the ransom is civility. The ransom is, is niceness and, and quality of living for everyone. I, I don't understand how this is a bad thing. I, this is, I'm not, I'm not becoming a dictator of the world. I'm just saying, listen, if we're not all good to each other, if we're not better than we are bad, then what's the point of everyone existing? Don't you think it's time for the world to just be stricken of humankind? No! Not at all! Well, too bad, I do. Okay, Um thank you all for listening, uh, and we, uh, it's time for us to go. Do write into us at castandwax at gmail.com. And, no, Jordan, there's one more letter there. Yeah, I no, mean, it's not important, it's not important. It's just, uh... Um, oh, well, what does it say? No, oh, fine. Go ahead, read it. Jordan, it's Kerry from the Market Machine team. I tried to send you this private email, but I think the report is too large, and your AOL bounced it back. We need to cease operations until we have an emergency meeting. Please tell me how soon you can convene the team. If we continue with the design as we have been planning, it seems that the machine will be responsible for the extinction of the human race in roughly 2062." You will see the details in the attached report from the Market Machine Analysis Computer. We must reevaluate, Jordan, this is... What is going on? D- don't worry. This is ridiculous. Carrie, obviously, yes, I saw your report. Everything's fine because I got rid of the Market Machine. There's not going to be a Market Machine now. There's going to be a Morality Machine. It's totally different. The problems are dealt with if we la look, hopefully you know we're going to last well past 2062 what do you mean hopefully well because it's the morale machine it's in the hands of the people if they're if the go the number goes down you know but look, look, the number has gone up since it's already at 6742 so clearly it's on the we're on the upswing people are getting better not that they've heard about the machine yet but once they hear about it they're going to be much better do you really have to find a way to stop it there is no way to stop it okay rory this is it We are getting moral if I have to kill everyone. Nobody will be moral if they're all dead. Right, right. But I mean if I have to threaten to kill everyone. And then the people who don't want to die, which is everyone, will... Look, it's too late. The machine's on. That's the way it is, everybody. That's the way it is. The world's going to be a better place. If you say so. That's exactly why. It's because I say so. Anyway, God, <sighs> quick song! I recorded a, a ukulele for covers, cover of the X Men theme song. This one was not a request, but I just felt like doing it. Uh, hopefully, everybody will enjoy it. The X Men theme song from the '90s cartoon. <sighs> everybody behave, and I'll uh, be seeing you.